This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it, like, doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FakeTheNation. Go to TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation. And Miracle so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation and use the code FakeTheNation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's TryMiracle.com slash FakeTheNation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 254. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we begin a very happy Memorial Day weekend. In honor of the long weekend, I'm taking a little break um, from Hot Off the Press's news, and instead, treating you guys to some fun conversations from the vault. Uh, first, you'll hear my conversation with Amir Blumenfeld and Leah Bonama about Hannah Gatsby's comfort cocoon, that's what she calls her clothes, aka her uniform, uh, and I'm wondering if you folks are wearing a uniform, a personally designed uniform uniform. Listen and find out. And then you'll hear my chat with Caleb Heron and Selena Kopik, where we talk about FinSub, which stands for financial submissives, and what that even looks like. The convo is money. It's also a little salacious because it is uh, in that world um, of, of subs and dumps. Oh, oh, and before we get into the show, just a reminder that I will be performing um, at Caveat in New York City on June 8th. And if you are in the area, I would love for you to come out and see it. Um, you can find uh, tickets um, on my Twitter, on my website, and all the places where you would normally think to do such a thing. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the long weekend. May your bellies be full of barbecued hot dogs or whatever meat substitute they're in. Uh, all right, let's get into it with topic number one. We read a piece in Vanity Fair by Hannah Gatsby called Hannah Gatsby on the comfort cocoon she calls her clothes. And to talk to me about it, I'm joined by comedian and podcast host Leah Bonama. Hey, Leah. 
Hey, Nagin. And I'm also joined by comedian and podcast host, Amir Blumenfeld. Hey, Amir. Ahoy, hoy. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much, <laughs> you guys, for <laughs> joining the show. Amir is a sailor now. Um, Gatsby decided to drastically minimize her wardrobe uh, because, quote, my sense of self is not defined by how the world sees me. It is defined by how I feel in the world. So before we, we get into what she said specifically, let's first talk about your relationship uh, with clothes. Uh, Amir, where are you at? What is your relationship with clothes? Currently or pre-pandemic? Ooh, mm. you fucking mm. just threw a wrench in my question. Let's go. Let's go both. Let Tell me what your relationship was before and now. Before, like for the last five years, I've been trying to like, you know, stay on top of trends. I need to see how baggy my shirts should be, how tight my <laughs> jeans should be. Uh-oh, they just switched it up. <laughs> I went from tight shirts and tight pants to baggy shirts and different pants. And I don't know what to wear anymore. What size shorts, like where they should go up to my knee, below my knee, above my knee. Should my socks be no-shows? Right. Should they be high? I can't keep up. And it's I was trying to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Stressful. Stressful. Uh, since the pandemic, I haven't touched a button. I don't look at zippers. <laughs> I wear sweats uh, to sleep and to walk around in. Really, they're just dual pajamas slash exercise wear. And I wear whatever is comfortable because I don't have to go anywhere or see anybody. Leah, where are you at? Um, I am in an interesting place where that I just moved so, A, I had to downsize a lot of things that I owned because I couldn't take them across America. And B, in New York, our apartment was so small, our bed was in front of the closet. So I basically took two items out and I wore those same items over and over and over again. Um, now that I'm in Los Angeles, A, I grew out of a lot of my clothes in the pandemic. And B, I don't have any warm weather clothes. So I'm just wearing my gym clothes and I'm pretending that's a look. So I think my relationship with clothes is, I think I don't, my relationship with clothes is changing as I have a closet and uh, the weather changes. Can that be my answer? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think it'll probably not surprise either of you that I have a very loving relationship with clothes. Um, I fucking totally enjoy fashion. Um, I find it exciting to put together an outfit uh, to like, this is a reflection of me. It feels like an art project, like a mini art project every day, walking into the closet and like figuring out what to wear and like and delighting myself with like color combinations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, obviously being a lady, it can be fraught because you're like, what do my hips look like in this thing? You know what I mean? Um, but I, uh, you, you know, it, so, so has it, you know, at times like worked its way into my like body fucking sh shame issues? Yeah, sure. Sure it has. Um, but 
I think my level of delight at what clothes look like, I, lo I look at everybody's clothes. I love looking at a great outfit. I love looking at a shitty outfit and just marveling at how terrible it is. <laughs> um, Amir, I'm looking at you. I'm kidding. No, you look delightful today. Uh, what is that? Purple? Okay. Um, I actually wrote in my a notes. Sweatshirt Nagin and loves clothes. <laughs> When I read this article, I was like, this is not for Nagin. I've never met anybody with such a great sense of style. Your outfits are always banging. Even like when I come over to visit, you like look great. You know what I mean? You're like, I just oh, threw this on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, that makes me feel really good because I because I care about it. I think about it. And it's I, I truly don't care when other people don't care about it like it doesn't matter to me what other people do or don't do but when someone actually does care about it I just like I remember being in a bad mood and this is like kind of early in the pandemic and I um I was taking the subway and I had to go to a job I actually had a job that required me to take the subway which was already really fucking exciting um this was like in the June or something and I, you know, I was on the subway and I was just like, uh, you know, I was just feeling a little like, you know, not great that day for whatever reason. And I saw this woman and she was just wearing the most glamorous just outfit, like straight out of a New York City, like, you know, model shoot or whatever. And she just looked amazing. And she was wearing a mask that matched. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. And this one sighting just turned my mood around completely. I mean, it was like seeing art, right? Like, it's like seeing art. Um, and that's just kind of how I feel about it. And I think it's really so the the the, the position that Hannah Gatsby takes is that she chooses her clothes based on um, comfort. And she points out that their dudes, and we'll talk about these dudes for a second, Albert Einstein, Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, the types that are like, I'm taking the guesswork out of clothes so that I can spend my time and the just the enormity of my brain's energies can go to, <laughs> it was really a compliment to themselves, really, can go to um, my, my life's work, uh, making more money. Um, and not on picking clothes, which is a thing that a lot of these guys said, right? The Einsteins, the Zuckerbergs, the Steve Jobses. Is. Um, what do you think about those dudes and the and the wearing of the same outfit every day? That seems like I'm a cop out to me. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they're uh, actually yeah, let's hear it. doing it to conserve brain space. I think they're just lazy or they don't give a shit what they look like. They're not like, I mean, I change my clothes every day. I don't, I also only give it nine seconds of thought. You're not saving that much time, Steve, Mark. Yeah. You're just a billionaire, so you can say whatever the hell you want. Right, like you can make it seem like such a fucking fan. Ooh, he's such a, he's a philosopher yeah, wow. and a billionaire. What do you do with all the know? extra time that you don't look at a stack of shirts and choose the shirt that you want to wear? <laughs> God, you must have been able to invent an app in that free time. <laughs> I know. And the other funny thing is that the notion that they're that they didn't also like, I mean, maybe Albert Einstein didn't, but it, the notion that like Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs don't have people just laying things out for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they have people laying things <laughs> out for them. I don't think efficiency on that level is that much of a, you know, a, a hindrance. Leah, what do you think of these dudes? Um, I actually, oh God, I got to stop being positive but i i love <laughs> like you know me i love a onesie leah's and, going through a positivity phase that she's very uncomfortable very with, uncomfortable but i with find 
I just, I find it so exciting. Let's hear it. <laughs> I actually find comfort in the same outfit. Um, not just because I, I couldn't get to my closet, but I know I'm comfortable. I know, especially from performing, I know it's like something I don't pull on. I feel confident in it. It's easy. Um, so like I, I have a lot of the same onesie. I'll just wear the same onesie. Makes me feel good. I don't have to think about it. So I hate to say that I feel very, uh, like an Einstein in that way, but um, I guess I, I get you just want to pull on a thing that you know you're going to be comfortable in. It's not something that you know it's tried and true. You know, you're this is my thing. I wear a onesie. It's easy. Right. And that's kind of what Hannah Gasby does, right? She basically, her point is like, I'm not trying to like take the mental work out of it. Like these guys claim, I'm just trying to be comfortable. I know specifically the like five things I can wear that make me feel comfortable. So I wear them every single day. Um, and also that make her feel calm. Like she talked about she, everything she owns is blue because blue is a calming color to her. And she just wants to be calm and that helps. Uh, and, you know, and she she's also talked about, you know, in, with with autism, like that she feels a lot. So she's more sensitive to like tags on clothes and stuff like that. So finding a T-shirt that doesn't have a tag on it is like a great find. And why not stick with the same one? And like that's kind of her her position. I also want to point out, though, on the so there's like the the, the um, I'm saving time because I'm such a genius front uh, you know, argument for wearing the same thing. Hillary Clinton wore, I think, the same suit for her entire senatorial race in 2000. I think it was 2000. Correct me if I'm wrong here, folks, but I think it was in 2000 she wore the same suit because she didn't want her clothes to be a factor um, as a woman. What do you think about that kind of thing, Amir? As a woman, I think, I mean, I, that's an interesting, <laughs> and I should tell her how to dress because I'm a man, so I should be like, Well, you. I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious what a dude would think of that, though. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, everyone's opinion is valid. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, to each their own, I would say. If you want to wear the same suit every day, then go for it. I'm not going to judge. I would be a little bored about that, you know? I mean, I might as well try different things. I basically only have two suits myself. I never wear any suits, so really two is too, too many. But if you had to wear one every day, <laughs> maybe go one gray, one blue at the very least. I mean, Leah, we've talked about this um, before that, you, you, you know, you have like a, a particular rhythm and for for your show outfits or that like i think i think this was you right that you you don't wear like skirts or whatever on stage i don't i'm a dress downer on stage i dress down uh makes me feel more comfortable but i do agree with amir as as a woman um that <laughs> it's each their own like what makes me feel comfortable doesn't necessarily make other people feel comfortable so i absolutely understand why hillary clinton would do that but also, I understand I have friends that dress up on stage and it makes them feel like they're at a show and, they, and it makes them feel more confident. So I think it's to each their own. I do think in, in with women, we're more heavily judged for it. Uh, but that's right. why we have right. to lean into the, to each their own. And on, on that, like, 
I do think dressing, like you mentioned, is an art, like a beautiful, like an outfit. It's like a certain kind of art. And like somebody like you, you're gifted. Like you make these beautiful outfits. <laughs> Stop it. And you know <laughs> what I mean? With like, they're colorful and they match. And I think some people like being a poet or like being a florist, have a skill set. I genuinely don't even get clothes. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I would wear <laughs> pajama bottoms and, you know, I, I can't see it. It's not in my, it's not a thing that comes naturally. So I think that like you enjoy clothes, you're very talented at it. And then some of us, it's sort of just like something that we're, I, I don't even understand it. Do you know what I mean? Right, 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 like, right, right. It's kind of like me with like cars or something. People will be like, oh, uh, you, you know, the driver should be outside. They're driving a Volvo or whatever. I'll be like, what is what is a Volvo? Like, I can't I don't see cars in any way. Like, I only know um, taxi, not taxi. That's all I know in life. And <laughs> if it's like if any additional level of like explanation for me, I just I'm like, I'm stumped. Um, but but, uh, but yeah, but I think on the, I think one of the things that a lot of women and Amir would know better than anyone, <laughs> a lot of things, one of the things that any, many women kind of point to is that they just don't want to draw attention. And when in my early days of comedy, I wore a lot more pants because I didn't want to draw attention to being a woman. <laughs> Um, and then at some point I was like, this is ridiculous because I, I love wearing dresses. What the fuck, you know? Uh, and, and so then I, I kind of got out of that. Um, and, and I, I, I had a conversation with myself of like, are you the same person telling jokes in pants as you are wearing a dress? You know, but that's something I think a lot of female comedians actually deal with is like, what are we wearing on stage and what is it conveying and are we comfortable with what that's conveying? I mean, it, you know, and dudes do it too, obviously, because some of them come on stage wearing a Hawaiian shirt and that's a very specific choice. Um, so it's not like they're immune to it, um, or, you know, shielded from it. But for women, obviously, there's just a whole world of misogyny that we have to deal with. So I can understand that kind of turning your stage outfit into a uniform um, or in the case of Hannah Gatsby, turning everything she her in her life that she does into just a uniform um, makes t takes out some of the kind of guesswork in the world of the way women are hated, you know? I actually had a guy film under my skirt once at a comedy club. Um, what? And um, the manager had to come over and the man said, why can't I do that? <gasps> <laughs> like he and literally was like, the why can't I just film up her skirt? I Right. We all own her. She's public property. Um, and then I had to tell the manager, you have to make them delete it. You know what I mean? Oh I was like, just the God. fact that I had to walk down this. So I think that it's it's a very layered um, how people, you know what I mean? And like you were saying, every woman has to have that dialogue in her head. Like how, what makes me feel the most comfortable? And I think for some people it's dressing up and for some people it's seven layers. I would wear seven layers if I could. <laughs> well, folks, let me know what you think. Um, 
of this, uh, what, what, do you have a uniform? Like, do you, are you, like Hannah Gatsby, uh, in a comfortable cocoon of your own making? Uh, or are you like me, just like, just going through, scraping through your options in the closet <laughs> and just trying to figure out something, uh, that'll delight you? Um, tell me where you're at. Uh, and, uh, Leah and Amira, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you. Also, I'm hoping that okay. you'll lend your uh, outfit skills to us when we have to pick important <laughs> outfits. And we can zoom in. I'd be like, here's my closet. Tell me what clothes are. Yeah, which sweats should I wear I, today? I, I, am, I am so available for that. I love doing that kind of thing. So yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. And I really want for people to follow you and all of the work that you do. Uh, Amir, where do they do that? That's a good question. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is just my last name, Blumenfeld on Twitter. Blumenfeld. It's That's spelled right. just like how it sounds, folks. Do not That's make a, you know what I mean? Don't over-intellectualize the spelling of this last name. Yeah, it is it's Blumenfeld. not Blumenfield either. No, it's God, not no. that. It's, it's definitely got, not it's that. It's the F-E-L-D. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Um, folk, definitely do that. He's oh so funny. He's got a huge back and current catalog of many works. So enjoy all of them. Uh, Leah Bonima, where do people find you? I'm on all the socials. I'm at Leah Bonima. And I'll spell it because of the N's and the M's. It's L-E-A-H-B-O-N-N-E-M-A. And you should definitely follow Leah. Uh, I've sung her praises in the past, so you already know I'm a big fan. I'm just waiting for you to be a big fan if you aren't already, because <laughs> there's so much to fan of, of, of her work. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. And we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with our next segment. And we are back. And now it's time for this topic. It was inevitable that BDSM would go from your garden variety, brick and mortar physical experience to a purely dig digital financial domination. Basically, what happens is something called FinSubs, uh, which is short for financial submissives, uh, send monetary tributes to a financial dominatrix who could be any gender in exchange for being humiliated and degraded. To talk to me about this phenomenon of uh, financial BDSM, ESM. I am joined by uh, comedian and gay icon Caleb Heron. Hey, Caleb. What the heck is up, dude? And I am also joined by stand-up comedian and the comedian behind the NYT vows on Instagram and Twitter. It's Selena Kappa. Hey, Selena. Hello, hello, Nagin. How you doing? Um, I would love to know your thoughts on uh, this uh, whole world of financial BDSM. I am, I'll say it, I'm really jealous of people. <laughs> I'm really jealous of anybody <laughs> who is having to work hard to have a degrading sex yeah. life. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> having, to, having to like set up an arrangement to be humiliated in your love life to me is an absolute dream. I would love it. I love this for them. <laughs> it happens very organically for some. <laughs> Some people don't have to pay, you know? Um, <laughs> Selena, where are you at with financial God. BDSM? 
I mean, first off, I love the jargon of this, like fin subs. Like it just sounds a lot cooler. Yeah, like it sounds a lot cooler than like I have more money than I need. And uh, I mean, but I this I mean, first of all, this was in the style section, which like God, I just love the New York Times style section. It's like yes, you know, it's I mean, obviously, it's like the vows, which I you know devour every Sunday. But they always have just these like bonkers trend pieces, you know, like normcore and like fin subs. Like, I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't seem like a new trend or whatever. It just seems like this is a sugar baby, sugar daddy arrangement kind of. And like the sugar baby gets to be really mean. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know. I mean, hey, you know, you do you. Like, I don't mean to yuck anyone's yum, but uh, I mean, yeah, it just seems, uh, I, I don't know. It struck me as, yeah, it's so funny how it, it takes this like, you know, the BDSM thing and makes it very virtual and that, you know, like she's right. away with her friends on a beautiful t- vacation trip and she's like, send us money for more things, you know, and that like... And they uh, do. Yeah. And they do. Oh. And that's the best part oh of my it. God. Yeah. I well, mean, she, I swear, she, I like wasn't even able to score free drinks back in the dating. You know, I feel like I was so bad <laughs> at it, you know? And I know it's a different dynamic, but you know. Right. Well, by the way, the article is called She Gets Paid Just to Humiliate Her Fans. Um, And like we said, it's in the Times and it's by Alexandra Weiss. Um, And in it, it, she writes, the humiliation could be as fleeting as a few moments or persist for hours during so-called draining sessions when the dominatrix hurls a barrage of insults and demands that ends only when a monetary cap is reached or a fin slub's bank account hits zero, whichever comes first. Um, so that's weird. That's weird. That's weird. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Look, 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 look. That's, I, I, you know, no king shaming. Wait, Don't be ashamed. Is it, Caleb, is it weird for you because you can't picture treating money that way? Yes. Like, yes, that right. part. That part. It's just I, like <laughs> this, this disregard for money. And also, I just like, you know, they're. The whole thing with kinks, I'm like, please do it. It should not be illegal most of the time. I don't want you to feel shamed. But I feel like I'm allowed to hear it and go, well, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) This is weird. This is weird. I know, especially because, like, I don't, I mean, and maybe this is why, like, I always found, well, not that I found phone sex weird, but I don't know. Like, I just find when there's no... Uh, like, are you getting off from literally watching your Venmo, like, spiral out of control? Like, I don't know. I just, I find that so, yeah, it's just, I find it very bizarre. I mean, yeah, and exactly. Like, I don't mean to kink shame and, like, or yuck anybody's yum. But um, I don't know. I think I'd rather be. I yeah. also, what I think is also weird is that the people who really benefit from this are the cash apps. You know what I mean? Do we need another yeah. way for the financial like maneuvering system yeah, to yeah. make more money? Because come on. Um, but, but I think, let me just to like give you guys a little bit of what I think might make sense about it is like some of these dudes, you know, one of the d- fin subs, which they also call uh pay piggy pay, no pay pigs, pay pigs. Pay pigs. Yep. Um, that's another term for it. But one of these fin subs runs a huge nonprofit. And what sounded like was an extremely stressful job where he, um, was in control of uh, an entire organization's finances, where we, where he had to deal with a huge staff, uh, where he had to, you know, deal with problems all day and where he had to be utterly in control all day long. And so for him, um, it, it sounded like being able to, you know, give money, being able to have someone else control this account um, was the loss of control that he doesn't get to have on a, you know. And again, this is, I think, for me, 
like the equivalent for me in my life is when my husband decides where we go to dinner. You know what I mean? Because it's like, oh, boo, I have to make so many decisions in the day. Please don't make me decide where we go to dinner. <laughs> like, let that be my gift as a as a as a dinner sub. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, din sub. Din yeah, sub. I've heard about your community. <laughs> Um, but I think in that, well, like when I tried to put myself in the shoes of someone who, it, who, for whom the stakes are so high, um, in a business setting, um, th- something about this sort of made sense to me, right? That it is the loss of control that is arousal, um, and relief. I think that someone else is making the decisions, um, and the decisions are that you're going to send them Venmo them fucking a hundred dollars for sure. And I think also um, it's this is the thing. The thing that always cracks me up about culture reporting is that not much has truly like. Like a lot of cultural reporting is just rediscovering. Like basically, this article is like sex work happens. You know what I mean? And it's <laughs> yeah. like, so yeah, this guy, this guy, I'm happy for him. He's part of a long-standing tradition. He his life is stressful, and he wants to de-stress, and so he's gonna pay a sex worker. And as long as you're nice to the sex worker, I think that's fuck yeah, go off. I mean, it's a little goofy, but go off. You know, <laughs> like that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I guess I was jealous. Um, Caleb, you had your jealousy. I was just jealous that the, that this woman like has that uh, that you know the, the the article centered around someone named Mistress Marley who just has this like utter confidence in being able to dominate people in this way. Yeah. And I was just like if I just had 5% of that um, in my dealings with, like, you know, the entertainment industry. That would be fantastic. That would be a fantastic feeling. Uh, you know, so I was just jealous of the, her, like, fundamental, I think, I don't know, what whatever the quality is that, that is that um, being able to be domineering in that way, I was just like, wow, that's remarkable. I, 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 w- I was jealous of that. One thing she talked about that I thought was also fascinating, uh, she wrote, quote, for me, especially as a black woman, I see my financial gains as reparations because the majority, if not all of my clients, are white Fuck men. Yeah. Uh, Selena, yeah. what did you that. think? Hell yeah. fucking yeah. That's dope. I mean, I know. I think it's great. Yeah, someone should be paying the reparations. It might as well be the guy who works at the nonprofit. Yeah, I mean, why not him? That's yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine a lot of these do. I mean, you know, we don't know. A lot of these people kept their identities um, a secret. Uh, but a, a lot of these people are like in tech. You know, tech, the tech world and the finance world. Um, there was like, it's interesting because just on an ethical, like on an ethical side. One of the people that she talked about was a college student. That's where I started to feel uncomfortable because I was like, this is, you know, this is where you're really leaving the entire ethical question of how much money are you going to drain from this person's account to the, you know, Mistress Marley, whoever the person is, right? Um, and she described a situation in which a college student logged on, she berated them, and then every time she berated them, she asked for more money, they sent the money, until that figure reached $1,000, and then she shut down her computer. Um, so th- I think that she had already probably decided what the line was for her. Do you think, 
I mean, obviously, we're not going to hear about stories where someone abuses the power um, because then it would involve admitting, you know, coming out and admitting to your kink or whatever. It's probably not going to happen. But what did you think about like where where was there was there a, like a an ethics issue for you at all? It, I mean, it almost reminds me, do you remember years and years ago, there was an article, I think it was in like the Times and Vanity Fair about a psychic here in New York City, really preying on someone and probably bilking him out of like 75000 or $125,000. And like, and, and yeah, I mean, I remember thinking like, well, if you go to a psychic, you kind of get what you deserve. But I, that I think at a certain point, indeed, it does become like predatory, especially if a college student is sort of naive and doesn't quite know what's going on here and or the, or if and when they could kind of log off themselves as well um i mean it also it's funny cuz it almost makes me uh, want her want this mata or you know this mistress to like demand that our dominatrix rather um like i almost wish that she'd be like show me your financial records so i know that you're not like hard up that you have money <laughs> to burn like before right, I abuse you, you know like right. which that would also be hilarious and then you she's know, she, like can you show me your financial aid application to I, the school exactly like i just want to make <laughs> so sure i'm not taking advantage of somebody who like send can't me your afford it like send me a copy yeah exactly your right yeah. Send me your what do your parents yeah. do and i will punish you accordingly thanks <laughs> i i also feel like that's a really good point that that you bring up um but but i also think that the problem with thinking through that the problem to me with like a ponzi scheme or the the uh, fortune teller scheme is that ultimately those people are selling a product that does not exist um if you're you know you have to be dumb enough to believe that they can tell your uh, fortune true. but they are telling yeah, yeah they're yeah. selling the idea that they have access to this information um with the fendom thing it's kind of like there would still be ethical concerns if this was like a like obviously a very young person or an extremely old like not of sound mind and body person. Right, but like right. Between two consenting adults, you are getting the exact product that's advertised. You are getting insulted by this person and using their time. So I feel like you know if the college kid wants to log off and uh, log on and give a thousand dollars, I kind of feel like that's a decision. Uh, one of the things I loved about the piece was um, they they talk about when Mistress Marley went to her college reunion or high school <laughs> reunion. I can't remember which reunion. And she showed up in full BDSM gear with uh, one of her submissives on a leash. Um, she actually stole like that from old... me. I did that first. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she copied me. <laughs> But I was like, oh, my God, you know, and he was this old, bald, you know, white guy or whatever that she had on a leash. And I just thought that is the most baller thing for <laughs> both of those people, <laughs> yeah. right? Like both of those people can be proud of like what transpired that she went to um, a college reunion and uh, and had this um, had her submissive with him with her. Um I, uh, I, here's another thing that I thought was interesting about the piece. Um, one of the submissives said, um, quote, I used to be much more self-centered. As I've explored this fetish, I've definitely become more aware of other people, their feelings, and putting them before myself. Um, basically, uh, he, his, his, um, his dom made him realize that other people matter. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of this? Like, I, I I didn't expect that, basically. What did you think? That is fascinating. It almost it reminds me of, have you ever heard of, um, 
I forget if it was like on Twitter or something, but some libertarian saying like he did psychedelic drugs and it made him realize that other people have feelings. And like, just <laughs> it just kills me that, I mean, it took a libertarian doing psychedelics to realize, you know, like, but hey, I, I mean, my feeling overall is, it doesn't matter where you learn it. Like, it's great. But uh-huh. it is fascinating that, yeah, he learned it from this, you know. But like, hey, yeah, I guess, any, you know, when the student's ready, the teacher will come. And sometimes the teacher is in leather and draining your bank account. <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense. I think that a lot of people would relate to feeling the most clear headed they've ever felt immediately after they come. So I feel like that's just what happened to this guy. He, he got off to it and then immediately had that kind of clear headed, like, what am I doing? Where have I been? Um, I, right. I get oh, I've been a dick this whole time. <laughs> uh, All I need to yeah. do is come to this woman's uh, beratement. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love that too. Um, folks, let me know what you think of the financial BDSM world. Are you a part of it? Like, let me know. I'm so curious um, for, for those who are and are you know, open to talking about it. Uh, you know where to find me on all the social medias that you should also not be using because it's bad for all of us. Uh, Caleb, but where do people find you uh, if they wanted to hit you up? Oh yeah. Well, you guys, you know, you can find me at Caleb says things online. I'm that's my handle on everything. Um, and also check out my Headgum podcast, keeping records. We're talking about, uh, space and we're criticizing culture and, uh, we're hanging out over there. And Selena, where do people find you? Yes, uh, my stuff is all Selena Copic, S-E-L-E-N-A-C-O-P-P-O-C-K. That's my website, Insta, Twitter. Um, and yeah, and then NYT Vows is my Insta and Twitter where I lampoon the New York Times wedding section. And wedding season is you know coming up soon, so it'll be good. It's going to be ripe. Folks, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening. As always, let us know what you think at FakeTheNation at HeadGum.com. A big thank you to our wonderful producer, Julia Linden, our sound engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, and all the wonderful people at HeadGum. The theme music is written by Gabby Alter. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And join the Patreon for bonus content and so much more at Patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum podcast.